As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey gang, how are you? Before we get to our podcast, let's talk about Podcorn. You've heard me talk about them before many times and they are sponsoring yet again because they are awesome. We love Podcorn. You know why? Because Podcorn does a multitude of things. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to other amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities like host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, mid-roll, post-roll, cinnamon roll ads, whatever, right? That was ad-libbed. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose your opportunities right on the platform, set your own rates, and collaborate with the brands without any exclusivity. That's the best part. They don't own you. You own you. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here every single step of the way to make sure you're protected and that you get paid and no one tries skipping out on the check. Hey, gang, how are you? Kevin Goatee, gutting the sacred cow. Here we go again! Brand new episode with a returning guest, Mike Price, whom you may remember, who did Batman Returns, writes for a little show called The Simpsons and F is for Family on Netflix, has returned to do Academy Award winning Argo. Before we get into it, do not forget, hey friends, new fans, old friends, if you have not yet done so, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google, whatever. Go to that podcast platform you're on right now, YouTube. And write us a two or three sentence review, five star rating. That really helps. We really appreciate it. And if you're looking to advertise, boost your brand or product, look no further. Gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com. Advertise your products. That's right. We can help you build whatever you're looking to build. We're the guys who do it. Drop us a line. Guttingthesacredcow.com every single day has, of course, those blogs you love and merch store. Go buy a shirt. Go support us. We could use that uh, hat, bag, shirt, mug, whatever. And don't forget, we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash guttingthesacredcow. A donation bucket is there. What the hell? All this free content. A few bucks wouldn't hurt, right? It just helps keep the lights on, as they say in the biz. Without any more delay of me blabbering, here's Mike Price doing Argo. Remember running out as a kid at the diner? That wasn't cool. It's funny, but when you're older, 
It's not cool. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, freedom, and full control of how we monetize and when we monetize. Click the link in my show notes to sign up for Podcorn for free and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Podcorn, you guys are the best. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. I want a keg of beer. Kevin Israel, name that film. I just saw this film for the first time. No, I no, I just I just recently I chose to rewatch it randomly. I see. I see. Uh, and you could have done it with the voice inflection. Oh, I'll do it, I'll do it again. Give me do- a <laughs> keg of. <laughs> Beer. Too, too, very good. I, I, I don't, that's too much of a dead giveaway, I thought. So that's why <laughs> I did not do it. Gutting the sacred cow. How are you, folks? Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel. We are joined by a fan favorite. That's right. We love bringing back our favorite guest. And that is the affable Mike Price. Mike, how are you, pal? What's going on? Hey, guys. Hi, Kevins. I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you, sir. Yeah. Mike, Mike, if you recall, and a lot of you do, Mike did an outstanding job, according to us and the fans, on Batman Returns and was kind enough to tag us throughout the Christmas season when a lot of people were talking about Batman Returns being a Christmas film. And Mike goes, yeah, it sucks. And I talked about Ungutting the Sacred Cow. <laughs> you know what, Mike, I got to tell you, in our, in our year in review retrospective, and we've, we've spoken to other, uh, on other podcasts, yours, I think for both of us, always comes up as one of the ones that really ruined a movie we thought we liked. And I, I especially, I, I, I said it during your, during your taping. I went into that so excited to rewatch that movie. And after rewatching and then listening to your argument, and now I just tell everybody that, yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Then my, uh-huh. but thanks I, for that. I, then I've achieved my dream. <laughs> He's like, nah, right for the greatest cartoon of all time. Nope, going on a podcast and telling everyone who will listen how Batman Returns is terrible. <laughs> so funny tell the fine folks what you're up to and where we can find you well i am working currently on uh making the fifth and final season of f is for family which yes. we will see on netflix sometime uh late in uh this year 2021 and uh continue to work on the simpsons new episodes are now running still on sunday nights uh and i have an episode coming up later on this year that also has a hollywood element to it which should be fun cool but Mike has chosen a film. This is something, Kevin Israel, this is, I, I think, our second film that we've allowed that is more, way more critically acclaimed than any other film that we have done. The first critically acclaimed film that we, we did was uh, John saying did Gone with the Wind. Mike has chosen 2012's Argo. <clears throat> A well, what's, what's more of a sacred cow than a movie that won the best picture? Oscar? I, that's that's why I said, OK, that's why I said, OK, it fits. It sure does. A 2012 budget of forty four and a half million and a haul of two hundred and thirty two million. Twenty twenty dollars, a budget of fifty point six million. 
264.1 million dollar haul so a 5x plus roi that's pretty damn good imdb as we all know is a scale one through ten with decimal points imdb score mike your honor one through ten with decimal points what did argo score boy i'm sure it's like 9.2 or something i I bet it's way up there kevin i'm saying eight eight Surprisingly enough, you guys are way off the mark. 7-7. Seven, seven. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Good. Just people people out of their taste. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not completely disappointed in humanity, Mike? No. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, as we also know, is a 1 through 100 score percentage score. Kevin Israel, critic score. Rotten Tomatoes, Argo. Tell me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot the moon with a 92. Mike. Yeah, yeah. As I recall, it was fairly universally praised and was on a lot of top 10 lists and everything. So I'm going to say, yeah, I'll have to say just to up Kevin a little bit, uh, 93. 96. Wow. Wow. Okay. 96. That's. Wow. wow. I'm not surprised. Mike, you were 100% right. That this was a critic's darling. Audience score. Uh, Mike, you go first this time. Well. Well, if I'm to be with seven seven, then I don't know, I'll say eighty eighty five. Senor Israel, I'm gonna say seventy nine. Ninety. Holy shit! All right, well, well. people love this too. Quotes: wow. the obvious. Argo, fuck yourself. Funny, the yes. first time you hear that one. After that, well, we'll see. The first 12 times, it was okay. (laughs) We get it. It's a callback, all right? It passes the rule of three, we know. We're in comedy, too. And the other one, and I did chuckle at this one, and this is a second and and final quote I have. So you want to come to Hollywood and act like a big shot without actually doing anything? Yeah, Yeah. you'll fit right in. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. They sure, boy, they sure uh, ran Hollywood over the rake, over the calls in that movie. <laughs> they did. Boy, they did. They really ripped the lid off there. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Israel, <laughs> any quotes from you, sir? History starts out as a farce. It ends up as a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, right. I mean, none of these are going to be ones that you say to your buddy. No. And then I, I also liked when they were talking about the uh, the Shah and that they brought him in and he was dying of cancer. And they says, so we bring in any cancer, that any pricks that are dying of cancer? And the chief of staff says, only pricks that are on our side. And that is pretty much our foreign yeah, policy across the board. That's true. That's true. Mr. Price, how about any quotes from you? Mm, quotes? Uh, aside from uh, Death to America uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Argo Fuck Yourself. Uh, boy, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of any that yeah, resonated. This- this is scant amount of quotes. Although Mike's one says death to America does face East four times a day and uh, on a rug while saying death to America. <laughs> Five. There's a lot of this. Oh my God. A lot, a lot of stereotypical, very stereotypical uh, uh, Muslim acting in this movie. I will say <laughs> the only thing missing was a spinning bow tie and a suicide vest. That's right. <laughs> Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. 
first time in eight years that a picture that a movie won best picture but not best director. Jack Kirby, who did the storyboards, Kevin Israel nerd alert, also created the Hulk, Captain America, and a fuckload of Marvel characters. Affleck requested that all actors who are playing refugees, the, the, the ones that are in hiding, live with each other in 70s style housing. However, no word if he also made everyone grow out their, po- their pubes and give each other the clap to maintain the times. <laughs> Four, with John Goodman's performance as John Chambers, this is the only time that a real-life Oscar winner is portrayed in a film that won the Academy Award for Best Picture. (laughs) Number five, while Chris Terrio was writing the script, he imagined Tony Mendez being played by, want to take a guess? A-lister, huge A-lister, huge name, huge. Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. Nope, and Uh, nope. George Clooney. Oh, well, he produced the movie, so there you go. Yep, yep. Both, uh, both equally, both Clooney and Affleck. He equally, was, he was uh, Batman. Uh, yeah, they were both Batman, and they're both equally the right to play a guy named Tony Mendez. <laughs> they're both which is, incredibly Hispanic guys. Which is funny, because I was going to include that, that when the real Tony Mendez was asked about why Affleck played him and not a Hispanic actor, he goes, I don't care, it's good. <laughs> so it doesn't it bother funny him. When- it doesn't bother him. It doesn't bother me. How about that? I remember when I first saw the movie and he said his name, I was like, oh, he's still lying. Like, that's not his name. He's not, he's not a Tony Mendez. Yeah. And then at the end, I was like, holy shit, his name is really Tony. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's like me saying, hey, I'm Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> Mike, you're about to say something. I'm going to cut you off. Uh, that was, the, that was his, his, uh, his acting of being Hispanic was growing a beard. That yeah. And having a shaggy haircut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what what was his piece there? Is his son's rolling up in a pinto, blaring lowrider, or I don't know, with rings? I don't know, I don't know either. Well, listen, these are, this we're, we're going to cut right to the chase because Mike Price, you know, he's not here to talk about hair pieces and Affleck and Tony Mendez, but the deep cover personality. He's come on to do one thing and one thing only, Kevin Israel, and that is gut gut the, the sacred. sacred. Cow. All right. Well, where do I begin? I was very excited to see this movie when it came out. I remember seeing it at my local cinema and thinking that it was cool. I usually am a big fan of these kinds of movies, historical uh, whatevers, you know, and, and seemed interesting. I'd never heard the story before. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the Iranian hostage crisis and watching it on TV and you know, a Ted Koppel and Nightline. And uh, wow, this is a cool story. And even when I sat there in the theater watching it, I was like, Oh, this is pretty good. I mean, I, I definitely think the Argo fuck yourself is one of the worst, uh, you know, in, in comedy writing, um, there's a term for that, which is called the Nakamura. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but in sitcom writing, it's called the Nakamura, which it goes back to, I believe a, um, a running joke in an old episode of the Bob Newhart show, not the original Bob Newhart show, but the one with Larry Darrell and Darrell, that one mm-hmm. where it was a guy named Mr. Nakamura and he kept showing up and it became the kind of joke that, that like, if it doesn't work the first time and then it shows up as a runner, like eight or eight or more times and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. That's called the Nakamura. <laughs> you don't want a Nakamura. And to me that, Argo Fuck Yourself is one of the great Nakamura's in movie history where it's it was sort of funny the first time, 
And then it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And they said it at the very end, at the very end of the movie, I think Alan Arkin says it again. I was like, oh, Jesus. So even, but even that, I was sort of like, okay. And then as I do sometimes uh, with a film like this, I'll hit uh, Wikipedia, whatever, to read about, oh, wow, what an amazing story. Wow, that's so exciting. Wow, I can't believe that. That's, the, that's really unbelievable how, how those guys were like barely got out of Iran on that plane. And, like, and those guys were chasing after them like, like an Indiana Jones movie, <laughs> like racing to get the plane. From the wow, that's absolutely amazing and unbelievable. And it turns out that it is unbelievable because it's all bullshit. It, that's the behind the problem of this movie. Of, of, apart from other small things, there's a lot of good acting in it. Brian Cranston is really good in it. Alan Arkin, I always love John Goodman. A lot of great acting from a lot of good people. But the, what the movie is about is so inflated. It's so crazily made up. It's unbelievable. It's like it got me so mad after I watched it to read what the real thing was. Uh, that it just made me angry. And I watched it again last night and I got angry all over again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. because I'll, I'll talk you through it. So what really happened was this. The, the, you know, the students took over the American embassy. Six people got out of the American embassy. I mean, the, how they got to the Canadian embassy was fudged over a little bit, but I'm okay with that because it was like they went to the British embassy first. They went to this place first. They went over the, that's fine. They're all there. Uh, they get this idea to do this movie thing. That's that is also true. They found a script. Uh, they did do that. They created like a shell company. You know. Then this guy goes. Uh, the Tony Mendez guy goes. Uh, there's some weirdness about what the timing is and when he got there and how much time he was actually there. But everything, everything past the premise, everything that makes the movie exciting is absolutely made up bullshit. You know, mm. so there's this big scene where they he says we're going to go out onto the bazaar, and you we for, for some reason they they concoct some reason that he have to go out there and and walk down to the seats of downtown <laughs> Tehran, you know, and and fool everybody. That never happened. That never abs- none right. of that happened. None of it happened. Um, and then it's like this thing where uh the the big thing is that like they there's this thing where they're supposed to get to the airport. And then for some reason, Jimmy Carter, President Carter's administration pulls the authorization for the thing at, like at the minute they're supposed to go to the airport. And then and then they have this big, crazy thing where they're chasing down everybody to try to get get the tickets back. And Ben Affleck and all the guys are there at the airport, like waiting. And they're like, I'm sorry, your tickets out of the computer It's like, try it again. And then they're calling around and everything. And they finally get it. And they make up this reason to talk to President Carter's uh, chief of staff. And then he says, okay, go do it. None of that happened. None of it. Like they got the tickets ahead of time. <laughs> they had the tickets already. Uh, they just bought tickets. They had fucking tickets, you know? Mm-hmm. So then they get, <laughs> they get to the airport at the airport. There's this whole thing where they're like sweating it out, sweating it out, sweating it out, you know? And like Ben Affleck spends this whole time earlier, like drilling them on like, who is your backstory? What's your name? What was your father's name? What was your mother's bra size? Whatever, all that stuff, <laughs> all that stuff. None of that happened. They got to the airport in real life. They got to the airport at 5.30 in the morning. Very smart. <clears throat> Nobody was barely anybody. Barely anybody was there. Uh, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, which in, in the movie is depicted as this really crazy, like, guy with insane eyes, like, staring at them and yelling at them. Um, none of that happened. They breezed through. There was hardly anybody there. They got on the plane. The plane took off. The end. So all this crazy, it's very exciting cinematic stuff where 
there's this whole thing where they're putting together the pe- the people's pictures, you know, using shredded things, which also that, that did happen. That's fine. That did happen. But it didn't happen like that. It wasn't like, oh, my God, stop the plane. Stop the plane. Oh, no, run, 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 run. And it's literally like like a scene out of Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark, where like 15 Islamic guys pile out a crazy truck and they're all hey, like it literally like that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark and they're all like chasing after the plane and the plane's going to take it off and there's even one part where I'm sorry I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself because I'm so excited about this there's a part where they're supposed to get on the the bus right they get to the airport and it's like this bus is going to take them to the plane on the tarmac and there's this scene where the guy's trying to start the bus and it doesn't start and you see them all sweating. None of that happened. And then there's a scene where they're supposed to call the the office in, in out in LA to, to, to get uh, Ben Affleck's cover story and, and John Goodman and Alan Arkin are, are being held up because they're shooting some stupid TV show and they, they barely get there in time. It's all bullshit. None of it happened. The real thing was like these guys, I mean, sure, it was sure it was um, it was a dangerous situation. Yeah, like if they had gotten caught, they would have been in trouble. They might have been shot. That's that's all true. But the reality is, they got in the car, they went to the airport, they had the tickets. There was nobody there. They got on the plane. The plane took off. The end. So all the everything that the movie was about was all built up to is utter complete bullshit. It's hilarious. <laughs> so it sounds as rudimentary as me going to uh, to go catch a flight to Vegas in September. Okay, show up at the airport, get get my Uber, show up at the airport, check in this way, sir. You any bags to check? Yeah. Yep, boom, on the plane. Right. There's. <laughs> I actually made a note while you're telling me that the Indiana Jones fucking analogy is perfect. The only thing missing was Affleck shutting the door, going, "See you in hell, Lao Chi." <laughs> <laughs> As exactly. soon as as soon as the bus driver had trouble getting the bus in gear, I was like, that didn't happen. Because even yeah. if it did happen, they wouldn't have remembered it. <laughs> that wouldn't have been something that they were like, oh yeah, you know what? He had trouble getting it into yeah. first. There was a clutch problem. Yeah. 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 What he did was exactly. he did, he pulled a Marty McFly in the first Back to the Future where he banged his head in the steering wheel and the DeLorean <laughs> finally started. And then he soared down, down the way and right. caught that 88 miles been, That's the last thing that could yeah, maybe that would have been more fun. Like the, the plane, yeah, it goes takes off and there's like flames on the tire you know uh and then i found out later even that that even even more even more worse was that like this was more this tony mendez guy he certainly was involved he did a lot of work a lot of this idea was wasn't even his idea it was the idea of the canadian guys and the victor garber plays the canadian ambassador in it his character was really super heavily involved in it in the movie he's just kind of this guy sort of sitting there going i hope everything works out but he was really involved in it like I mean, that's, I mean, standard Hollywood stuff. But, but the, 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 the main thing that the movie was about is just completely like, it doesn't make, you know, it's just all made up. So they decided to add a few moments of butthole puckering, you know, to, to something that almost equates going to the grocery store to buy seven items. You know, it's just like, exactly. a, all right. right, right. Yeah. But on the <laughs> way to the grocery store, you almost get an accident. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah. And then they did this thing at the very end, which also like infuriated me because at the very end, they do this usually in those kinds of movies, like a movie set in recent times, like a really good movie, I thought. And and uh, there's some problems with that as well, because that's what happens when you take a historical thing and you try to make a movie out of it is the Steven Spielberg movie from a couple years ago with uh, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep called the Oh, The Post. The Post, right. I like that movie a lot. But anyway, they always do the thing where at the at, over the end credits, 
they show a picture of Ben Affleck, and here's the picture of the real guy who he's based on, you know. And then with that movie, they did it with everybody, and down to the like the people who played the hostages or whatever the the people who not the hostages, but the people who they got out mm. were all really good actors too. Uh, Victor Garber and Tate Donovan and whoever else, but uh, they show their pictures too, and they like they went down to like. They, they looked exactly like them to the, to like the mustache fibers, you know, like they, they, they made a big show about like, see how exactly this is like the real yeah. thing. But then the fucking movie itself is going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the casting director should have gotten best picture, not Affleck. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Good and Lord. then I think Affleck, Affleck's directing. It's fine. Uh, I don't want to uh, betray a confidence, but I heard, I'll, I'll tell you this. I heard a story like from three, third or fourth hand uh from somebody who i heard from somebody who knew somebody who was in the movie that he directed called the town mm-hmm. the one with uh yeah it's a good one with the nuns yeah. and everything that was good according to this person and this was this was maybe one of the first movies he directed so maybe he got better by the time he did this but that like they would sit around on set and like Ben Ackley would show up and he had no fucking clue. According to this, again, I'm fourth hand, fourth hand information that Ben Affleck had no fucking clue what he was doing. What are you, what are you walking to say? All right, guys, what are you fucking doing today, huh? Where's craft services? <laughs> but he'd be like, I don't know. Bill like, Burr? Be, he had to sort of walk. Now, it wasn't Bill Burr. Oh, that's me doing a Bill Burr. Oh, that's me, Bill. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it wasn't Bill Burr. But that he, like, didn't know what he was doing and, like, he had to be basically told everything by uh, the director photography whatever or assistant director but basically he like he had no clue what he was doing as a director now ben maybe is a dir- better now uh, ben as a director what you do is you usually sexually harass the interns and the extras first then we roll out the set <laughs> and then as a celebratory you have a drink and a hooker at the end of the night to punctuate a great day yeah. of shooting <laughs> i don't know i don't know what anything, anything uh, else mike about this film that got you uh got no, you wild that's a, that's about it that's about it and it was weird because like i said I really enjoyed it when I saw it. And then when I back and read about it, it really, I felt like I had been suckered. Like they got my $12 out of me, whatever. And they really made me mad. And then went on to win the best picture. Really got me angry too. And, and, you know, I mean, this is going back. You mentioned, uh, I think earlier, you mentioned Good Bull Hunting, um, which is another like second Oscar, whatever, second Oscar, first Oscar movie for, for old Ben, which according to Hollywood legend, was like the original screenplay that him and Matt Damon wrote wasn't so hot. And then it got completely rewritten, but that's the way it works in the writer's guild, which is that like you can write the original script and then someone rewrites it a lot, but you still get the, your name is still on it. We did good. I'm not not a big fan of that movie. We did good. hunting on this very show, not even a month, about a month ago. And I think it was something like 20, some 30, some rewrites to the point where Matt and Ben got so annoyed. They even slipped in a gay sex scene as part of the rewrites. No one called him on it. <laughs> they didn't give a that shit. Has, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, not to, not to go off on that movie too much, but that has one of the worst things of all time to me, which I, I often quote, which is the thing where he goes, how do you like those apples? That is to me, that is one of the worst joke moments in any when he says to the guy, Matt Damon says to the guy, hey, do you like apples? <laughs> That's my favorite thing. He goes, do you like apples? Well, uh, sure. I mean, who doesn't? You know, whatever. Like, why would you walk up to a guy setting up your own joke? Do you like apples? I've, seen, those apples. I, I've spewed up better insults on the playground in the second grade than that one. Believe that me. <laughs> Believe you me. <laughs> anyway. 
Kevin, I'll go, for, I'll go first, if you don't mind. Please have at it. I shall. These notes, of course, spots sponsored by guttingthesacredcow.com merch shop. Let's start mm-hmm. off with an easy one. If the Iranians needed more inspiration to hate Americans, they could have brought out the Iron Sheik and Iron Sheik come out and say, Iran number one, America Haktui, and then do the camel clutch on a Jimmy Carter stuffed doll. I would let my kids and my wife and kids starve before I took any of these three jobs. Embassy worker in Africa or the Middle East, teacher in an inner city public school, or power bottom in a gay porno, or as Kevin Israel calls it, interning. Celebrity lookalike for you all. You ready? Affleck looks like Ellis, the guy who got shot while on a walkie-talkie with John McClane in Die Hard. (laughs) Very true. I was dying Very to get true. that one. So I had to go Kochner. first. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very true. John, John Boy, come on. Ah, oh, it's such a good fucking film. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we can all agree that fat John Goodman is better than skinny John Goodman. Skinny John Goodman looks like Larry King with 50 more pounds to lose. Oh, uh, poor Larry. I hope he's doing better. Yeah. Hey, John Goodman <laughs> looks like he's melting. He does. I know. The, the oh, I want to say can. one thing, if, yes. if you don't mind. I don't. The really interesting thing in this which is like, I think John Goodman must have it in his contract that in every movie he's in, there's a scene where they talk about, like, they go, oh, we're calling in this guy. Who's that? And you cut to John Goodman walking around a corner. Like, every fucking John Goodman movie has that. It's in Arachnophobia, which is one of his earlier movies. Yeah, it's yeah. This. It's always that same shot, like a kind of a follow camera dolly city cam shot. Of who's that? Boom, 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 boom. And you got John Goodman walking down the walking down the hallway. Wouldn't anyway. you pay good money to see him and resurrect Brian Denny and a bunch of older, bigger, fat guys, jolly guys, kind of arms swinging as you would just you know <laughs> exemplify? Totally, totally. <laughs> oh. Okay, how to find your hotel in Tehran? You ready? Make a right at the KFC and the next left at the guy hanging from a crane. <laughs> You can't miss it. Is that on MapQuest? <laughs> MapQuest is brand new to Iran, I've heard. <laughs> if they wanted to have a real fake movie in Iran, it would have featured women reading books, driving, as well as saying, well, you know what I think, without getting stoned to death. Every time I see Alan Arkin, I remember that he was in one movie and one movie alone. And that was the Jerky Boys movie. And I remember that movie was worse than Star Wars Episode One. Never saw it. I did in the theater. In the theater, I saw that. I was a fan of Frank Rizzo. Still am. I bet you saw the Garbage Pail Kid movie, too. I did not. I did not see that. (laughs) I saw the preview. That came out when we were 10 years old. That looked fucking awful as a 10-year-old. That's that's how bad you knew it was, if I'm saying, ugh. (laughs) The only task more painstaking than taping back together thousands of files and photos are being front row seats at a Travis Trick concert, sitting through an entire improv showcase, or rewatching Ken Jeong's stand-up special. <laughs> These are all smart jokes, people. You better appreciate the fuck out of them. <laughs> is it me, or do 97% of people from the 70s look completely unfuckable? <laughs> the collars. <laughs> Everything. Big ass fucking collars. Forget the collars. Forget the the face, the hair. Thank you. The hair, the faces. It just seems there are very few 
like when you go back and watch some of these old movies, older movies, and you mm-hmm. see some of these women who are like the supposed smoke shows of your time, you're like, seven? Like Linda Carter, one woman, is still a fucking nine, all right? I forgot who was it, Barbara Bach, who was like in the, in the, in the, the spy who loved me and James, the bottom yes. one, the one who married yeah. Ringo Starr, the huge tit. Right, yeah. She's a fucking 10. But there are other, you know, maybe a couple of the Charlie's Angels. But other than that, a lot of these older women actresses back in their time who were the smoke shows, it's just like, I don't see it. Like, it's especially in the 70s. It's like, eh. I feel that, I feel like a lot of it was how they wore their makeup and they, sure. their hair, the hairstyle. Like, nothing was. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't specifically to be like sex, like, like women now, especially like hot, like leading women dressed and look to be sexual right. back then. They dressed and looked right. to be like uh, almost like a fashionista. Like they wanted to look like 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 a statue as yeah. opposed to something you wanted to have sex with. Yeah. Strolling down the mil- the, the runway at Milan. Yeah. Now they all have fucking booty shorts and tramp right. stamps and shaking their ass on TikTok. Just look at Kim Kardashian and that's what you should look like. Yeah. Right, Kev? Meow. <laughs> the last 20 minutes are the best part by far, but, oh, it's like seeing Santa Claus put his beard on in your kitchen going, that's not real. <laughs> I have, I know a fair amount of people who like this film. I don't know anyone who admits to owning this film. This film is not going to annoy anyone or stand out. I mean, I saw this when it came out on Netflix, right when it came out on the discs, on DVDs. And I still get DVDs because I don't feel like waiting six months for a new feature to come out. Thank you very much. Uh, and I said again the same exact thing last night after re- rewatch. Kevin Israel, you ready? It's fine. This film is just fine. By the way, as Mike said, it won Best Picture, which is complete fucking horseshit with all of the so with all the historical inaccuracies in this film and the film i felt that was insanely insanely disrespected and overlooked by not winning is django unchained by far away excellent film versus much more memorable too i mean this is a movie that like argo is a movie that like so many best picture movies are are forgotten, like, uh, you know, largely forgotten, but like a movie like Django Unchained. Yeah. Like I'm sure it's still being quoted and like people talk about it now, you know, I, I dare say, yeah, I was to say Django, the dentist, Christoph Waltz is a fucking genius. The oh, yeah. dentist character is, is yeah. the lines. He goes, no, I will not say Vita Zen because that means goodbye. I plan on never seeing you again. Like shit like that just stands out. This film I mean, look, this film has next to zero or little rewatchability. I have no desire, not because I hate yeah. it. It's just, I don't care. I, I, there are other things I'd yeah. rather watch. There well, are, you, go oh, ahead, Mike. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say one thing that made this movie, I think even at the time, and I'll just a little bit of a, a personal, uh, whatever you call it, trivia. I was actually at the Oscars in 2013 i was a i i got a ticket to it because i was worked on a sor- a short we made for the simpsons called the longest daycare that was nominated in the best animated short category and so they had an extra ticket that i got and i sat like in the ninth mezzanine like all the way at the top <laughs> of the theater so i could see and seth mcfarland was the host that year and he was like a little tiny postage stamp anyway But I kind of predicted that it would win. You know why? Because it was a movie that made movie people were the heroes. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of movies in the last 10 or 15 years that won the best picture. Like the artist 
which is another one. What? Remember that one at all? No, that was the I silent, know. The silent movie. Yep. It's a largely silent movie. Uh, it was fine, but it's about the hero of it is Hollywood. You know, so it's like make a movie where the hero is Hollywood or it's about Hollywood. And if it's even halfway decent, you'll probably get nominated for Best Picture. Well, which actually I'll, I'll, I'll shit on your point just for a hot second. The one film that did not win that deals with Hollywood, and I absolutely fucking love it. It should be taught as a flawless film in all film classes. L.A. Confidential. How did that not fucking oh, win? The film was perfect. So perfect. Good. Perfect film. Did not win. Anyway, yeah. back to Argo. But you should do a Simpsons episode with Argo. You know, have, uh, have them do a, a, a thing. Something well, like. you know what? We actually did a thing. There was a Simpsons episode that came out around that time that I wrote a line for. And I wonder if it made it in, which was one where it, we kind of did like a little bit of an Argo uh, shout out. Because it was one where it was about where um, Homer was starting to show bootleg movies. <laughs> and and, uh, and then they came and the, the FBI came and like tried to tried to arrest him and they ended up hiding out at the embassy of like the Swedish embassy or something. And, and they were like, what are we going to do to get out of here? And I think Marge, Marge said in a line I pitched, I don't know if it got in the show or not, but she said, maybe we should do what they did in that movie. It was like, we should do what they did in that movie Argo, the movie about the Hollywood people that won all the, it was, I'm sorry. It, was, it was, it was like, we should do what we did in that movie about the movie people that won all the movie awards. That's, That's what it smart. was. Anyway, I don't, I'm not sure if it made it into the show or not, but anyway, we did a little bit of an Argo in that episode. Quick aside before I get back to my final point, my favorite Simpsons where you do a whole movie tribute. And I think not many people got it the entire episode. And I love it is where Lisa does the run, Lola run whole episode. I thought that was so fucking brilliant. And I love yeah, Ronald Lola. episode. Oh, man. It was in the music that everything and all the different aspects and nuance of uh, brilliant. Hope you worked on that one. <laughs> I didn't. That was like a year or two before I got in. But yeah. uh, uh, Matt Selman, who wrote that episode, is one of our executive producers now. And that's a great, great episode. That's also <laughs> where um, Homer got, got his thumb cut off and everything. It's called Trilogy of Error. Oh, great okay. Episode. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah that was, that was, I love that's a great one. That's so under the, under the radar, I think. Okay. Does this pass the remote test? No fucking chance, Mike. What the remote test is, if, it's, if you're flipping around on cable, you happen to stumble upon it at any point in the film, you drop the remote and say, I know what I'm doing for the next whatever. This film, there's no chance. I'm flipping right through this shit. I don't dislike it. I don't, it's, I, it's fine. It's fine. Six and a half out of okay. 10. That's my number. Kevin Israel, the floor is yours. Uh, so it's funny when Kevin told me that you had chosen this movie, I was like, that's a strange pick. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. I saw it in the theater and then I never saw it again or thought about it again. I remember liking it and that was it. I, and I think I even had to ask Kevin, was this the one with Ben Affleck? Cause I, I, it just didn't, it didn't even like resonate in my mind. So even, and on rewatch, it didn't bother me all that much. There wasn't, it just played like any kind of historical drama. And I, I was, and I kept, and I almost texted Kevin and I was to be like, I don't know what point Mike's going to make. I don't know yeah. if it's going to be a cinematography issue. Does he not like Ben's hair? Is it going to be <laughs> like, is it some kind of minutia that we're just too dumb to pick up on? And then I went and read the Wikipedia entry and I was like, ah, I know exactly where he's going with this. And you're 100% right. When you know that, the the uh, the inaccuracies and the the stuff that's really inflated the movie definitely loses a lot and it's really you're right it's really really apparent because the movie plays it's it this the stuff that's historically accurate it feels very faithful 
And then suddenly it breaks into this dramatic sequences that you're just like, and life yeah. doesn't happen like that. It happens in, in movies, but it doesn't right. happen where you're running through the airport and the guy's just yelling at you for no reason. And what bothered me about that scene was the guy yelling at them spoke English. Yeah. And he knew they right. were Canadian or, or North Americans. And he was yelling at them, yelling at them. And then suddenly goes, I've got to check on you. And it's like, well, why the fuck were you talking English the whole time? Why? And then he goes and has a, and, and he even makes a phone call and has a call right. in English and then comes back and is like, blah, blah, blah. and it's like, what are you, what it's, this was just created to create tension. And, right, and they could yeah, have at least yeah. had another guy come in and be like, oh, I can translate or something. But that whole scene was that, that bothered me so much. And the minute that whole exchange happened, I was, I just knew. That never happened. One question, yeah. I, and I must have, and I might have missed this. The one guy who ended up, who ended up speaking Farsi, did they ever uh, announce or allude that he does speak Farsi? Because there was a good five fucking minutes that went by that they're talking in Farsi and everyone's shitting their pants, and then he busts out in Farsi, "What's going on?" Did they ever close in the, that they said yeah. they spoke it? I think when they were doing in the in the Pentagon or wherever they were originally laying out who everybody was that was a hostage or was or trapped there that somebody they did say somebody spoke the language and was more uh, educated on the situation i can't remember if it was him but they did say somebody yeah, spoke could, have been, could have been yeah I, I, been. That, that, that's a detail that got swept in the rug real fucking fast for me to yeah. go wait what like hold on a second okay so Sorry. yeah so that so uh, once once i read the history of the movie your uh, your secret was up mike and i knew i knew where this was going it was it was almost like you're going to see a uh, you're going to see a mad an awesome magic trick and right before you get in you look at the you look it up and go how did he do that and then you watch the magic trick and you're like nah, i knew where this was going it was it was behind his head the whole time i knew but i will i will tell you this I'll, my my own anecdote of finding out something true about a, a, a movie that was supposed to be real i had a chance to go to the opening of the rookie with uh dennis quaid i love that and, film and yeah so did i i i thought it was great and afterwards they had the after party and i was standing around by the food or something and i turn around and dennis quaid is standing like right next to me and he looked at me and i just i had to say something so i was just like it was a great movie and he just goes yeah really just want to get the fuck out of here and get a cigarette <laughs> I, was like, I was like okay and i don't smoke so i couldn't even be that guy i'd be like yeah let's go out and have a cigarette so i said One i said oh I, yeah these, you, these you must- said dennis quaid i loved you in jaws 3d <laughs> <laughs> no what i wanted to say what? was your doc holiday was actually my favorite um, no. Oh, yeah. Yes, 100%. Uh, no. 100%. No. 100%. Come on, man. Come on, Kilmer was so I'm much. Not, I used to be a dentist. I was I'm proud to be a dentist. I'm not ashamed of my. Uh, anyway, so anyway. I said, so I, so I said, I said, yeah, I said, you know, it's an, it's an amazing story. And he goes, yeah, you know what they left out? All the other women he was fucking and that he left his wife as soon as that, as soon as he made the majors. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Now that's a better movie. <laughs> I was like, what? That sucks. <laughs> Sounds like I like Dennis Quaid. Wow. <laughs> a great story. Well, the one thing, the one thing, and I just, and I, and I, go, I like walked away, and my buddy came up to me, and he's like, "You having fun?" And I was like, "No, Dennis Quaid just ruined the whole movie for me." <laughs> the one thing that they kept in that movie, which, uh, to their credit, which I, I would have been the first one to say no, is that the big deal. I mean, this is a, a few years ago, right? The, the big deal, his big break was that he got to be a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
And then the I'm best the part. big time. Yeah. I'm playing a Tropicana field, yeah. baby. <laughs> in front of 16,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, right. In front of, of 8,000 8, people on Groupons here. And by the way, <laughs> if I have a career year, they're not going to resign me. They can't afford me. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Anyway, back to Argo. Yeah, I will yeah. say this: this really did play like two very different movies. The lead up right. to it almost played like a heist movie where they're planning this whole thing and they're making the movie, and you have John Goodman's character and Alan Arkin, and it almost felt like fun the way they were doing it. And the reading, the table read, where they showed everybody and they showed the blue guy who was a Wookiee that was just painted blue, and I, I sat there, I was like, I want to see that. I want to right. see what that table read was like. I want to see that movie. I know it's going to be a terrible, but I, that was, that was for me was almost the most interesting part of the movie because it was so bizarre. The rest of the movie just kind of played like, and, and especially out of the eighties, we've all seen a ton of hostage movies and right. we've seen Middle Eastern people just be the token bad guys, you know, 19 of them jammed into like a little Jeep, not trying not to fall out. And we've, we've seen all that. So to me, right. the, the best part of the movie was the beginning where you had the government actually approving this crazy idea to make a fake science fiction movie, which then when you find out and yeah. you do read, like, like Mike said, that it didn't really play out that way. And it wasn't, it, the CIA wasn't as heavily involved and it was much more Canada's involvement. And I mean, obviously, uh, obviously the main character did have a did contribute a lot, but it just, it changed everything for me. But I, I thought it really felt yeah. like once, once Ben Affleck gets into Iran, it all, it feels like a completely different movie than what they were sort of building up to. And it stops being, which maybe to its credit, it stops being fun and it starts like being like, Oh shit, this is, these people are going right. to die. Right. And again, yeah. you find out that they were really never in that serious, imminent danger that they're, I mean, obviously you don't want to be right. stuck in Iran during a civil uprising when they're calling for the heads of Americans, but there weren't uh, mobs in the streets burning Americans to death. So it really changes the, the tenor of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do like one of the, one of the things that stuck out to me was right in the beginning, they, <laughs> any movie set, made more modernly but set in the 80s or the 70s or even before has to remind you that people smoked yeah it's just it's just like in case you forgot people did this a lot and they immediately focused in on this ashtray just full of of cigarette butts because like if in case you didn't know when this is this took place back when people did that shit and then you see ben affleck just sucking down cigarettes and everybody's smoking it's like okay we get it People smoked yeah. in the 70s. You don't have to yeah. like remind us. But every movie that takes place back then, that's the little historical point that they always pick on. Uh, true, true. To, to, to Kevin Goatee's point, I 100% agree with him. This movie makes it clear that I am a huge pussy. Because I just <laughs> looked at them. Them First of all, I would have never been like, oh, I can be an attache to, in the Middle East. No. Yeah, I'll go. You know what? I'm going to go with whether I'm going to be a cook or something. I like... That just the idea of being stuck there, it make every movie about the Middle East makes the Middle East look like the most unappetizing place to end up possible. You mean like Goodwill Hunting they like Goodwill Hunting did for Boston? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I it's any of these movies that I've watched, especially the, the more realistic military movies, I, you know, I'd I'd imagine it probably is really like that, but I, I just sat there watching these guys and and when they were when they're all rounded up and then they have the fake execution. I was looking. I was like, "Did any of them shit themselves?" Because I mm -hmm. would have definitely been the guy that, to shit. That myself. would have been me for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was harsh. That was a hard scene. Yeah, yeah. It was the, the 
you know, a lot of this does remind you of, and it's funny that this is all now so long ago because I didn't remember that. I'm not old enough to remember this exact incident, but I remember the skyjackings and I remember, you know, in the, in the Reagan era. And I remember that that was a real concern. And then I remember when they started making the movies about it to sort of glamorize American military. And it's crazy now that kids probably watch this and go, oh, wow, that really happened. That was, that's, that's, it's, that's, it's just weird to me that that's so far history now. Well, but, thank God, thank God it did because Chuck Norris would not have a career doing the Delta Force movies. And that was the exact movie I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, the exact I'm movie sorry. I was thinking. <laughs> you know what? It's funny that you say that because I'm pretty sure it's in that movie that they're going through the the passengers trying to figure out who's a Jew, and they rip up open one of their shirts, and the guy has a Star David, and they like drag him to the front, and I can't remember if they shoot him or not right away, but. I ha- I wear a Star of David, and whenever I get on a plane, I put it in my pocket. <laughs> wow. wow! Wow! Superstitious <laughs> much? <laughs> Just listen. Yeah. Why hey. take the chance? Yeah. I mean, they'll see my but nose and they'll figure it but, out. No, they'll, 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 they'll just see your name, Israel. Right. I mean, <laughs> they see that ID. They right. look at me. They'll pull my shirt down. And go ha ha ha! Look at the, you, don't, you, don't, you don't even need a necklace. Like look at. Oh the, yeah, the terrorists will look at you and be like, "Oh, you're one of us. <laughs> you, did, you started up much earlier on." <laughs> Hilarious. But anyway, so you know, there's Mike. You, you hit the nail on the head. There's not a lot to say about this movie beyond right. It shows what happens when you take an interesting story and you have to Hollywood it. Because if the right. story was, if this movie was made. To be to be one hundred percent true, it wouldn't have been that interesting of a movie. It, no, it you know maybe if they maybe if they played more into the the movie side of it and a little less about the nonsense in in Iran, but they ha- I think they had to do that. And Ben Affleck I think acknowledged in a, a number of times that he you know they had to talk stuff up. Apparently he pissed off right. New Zealand. Who who's ever right, pissed right, off New yeah. Zealand before he got censured by New right. Zealand because they he made them out like New Zealand and UK he made it out like they turned them away. And they right, didn't actually right. do that, and they were helpful too. Right. So yeah, you know, right. it gets changed. But I mean, but I mean, there could have been a choice to make, which would be to not make the movie at all, <laughs> or to do yeah. like a little, like a little episode of uh, of like something on PBS or whatever. I was going like, to say, tell the, the story. The, this would be a perfect Ken Burns six parts, six parter in PBS. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to yeah, say. Or like, or a half an hour, or whatever. Like, you don't have to go and spend millions, millions of dollars to make a movie that's. That's complete and utter uh, bullshit. And maybe the fact for me that the fact that it won the best picture and it is so false is what makes me makes me not as likely as much as if it had just come out and like whatever. Maybe I wouldn't have been so mad about it. Kevin, yeah, give me no, a number. You're right. Yeah, I'm Kevin. I'm dead there with you. Six and a half. No shit. Mike, give me a number. Yeah, five. Okay. You know, it's funny how this one, Best Picture, and was obviously insanely historically inaccurate, but one of my all-time favorite films, which is actually a historical moment, is JFK, and that didn't win shit, and that film was pretty damn on the book, because I read all the books, that's one of my... But that's probably my favorite historical thing I've, I've read. I don't know how many books on that and RFK and shit like that. But they got oh that. God. Stone got that right. So no, to a no, lot. We, no, 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 we can start on that. All right, that'll be. I'll do that movie next time. Oh, I love that. Is a, that is a bigger lie. That movie is one of the worst, most irresponsible, unbelievable con job. It's worse than like QAnon almost. Can we have him next? Like getting you people to... <laughs> upset about stuff that did not I happen. It. I love. I Harvey read his Oswald book. Shot Kennedy. Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy. And I'll just say here's a preview of my next episode of, of your thing. The guy <laughs> that Kevin Costner played in that movie, Garrison. Yeah, yeah. One of the worst human beings that ever lived. He was a complete. He was like Trump before Trump. 
in that in that all he wanted to do was to make a name and get publicity for himself. So he made up this whole thing about the Tommy Lee Jones character named Clay uh, Shaw. Clay Shaw know. and Clay Burchard. He right. made it all up, all up, just to get headlines and everything, and 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 just like went all in on this crazy thing. None of it is true. It's all. It's even more bullshit than this one. Argo is like fucking the Encyclopedia Britannica compared to JFK. <laughs> JFK is one of the. It's very well made. It's great stuff in it. John Goodman is in it as well. Fat John Goodman is in that. Yeah. But anyway, it's so awful. It's like irresponsible. Wait, God, Goodman, Goodman's not in JFK. He's not in JFK. No, it's John Candy. Oh, I'm thinking of John Candy. You're right. Fat, yeah. fat John Candy. Anyway, uh, it's completely irresponsible. It's one of my most hated movies of all time. I love the, the, oh, the, wait, CIA, the, the CIA even said that he worked for them after the fact, after all that investigation went no, down, no, that no, all it, happened. It's all, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. I want this episode I mean, I to happen. Get, It'll I happen. I don't want to, I don't want to get the whole, <laughs> whole thing about it, but uh, you know, JFK, of course is a giant can of worms, but uh, in my view after, and I used to be a conspiracy guy about it. Like when I was much younger uh, in my view, there's only one answer, which is that Oswald did it himself, and it's all—it's like Occam's razor. You know, like oh. the, simplest, the simplest thing is the is the better. You know, like yeah, absolutely. I'll talk about that movie anytime you want. To, I will. Uh, you, you, that yes. we already know your film because I've yes. got 18 okay. fucking books. I can't, believe, I, can't I, I can't believe I didn't think of that for this one. God damn it! Anyway, uh, I love next it. Time, next time, son of a bitch, okay. I love it. All right, six and a half, six and a half, five. Okay, let's go to our Amazon five star reviews. Five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. This brought back memories from my childhood and about what happened at the embassy. It was a very difficult time for everybody back then, and it took great people like Tony Mendez, as well as our friends in Canada, who I got to serve with when I went to Iraq. To when I went to the Iraq War years later, and it was an honor to meet them. Signed, Walter Mitty. <laughs> <laughs> the directors, producers, scriptwriters, etc., just prove that great movies can be made without without all the cursing, sex, occultism, and gory violence violence that is pushed down our throats every time we we look for entertainment. Why can't ninety percent or more of our movies inspire our families like this instead of the other way around? Hollywood. Take care of the next generation. What they learn and see in movies is what this nation will become in the future. Let's give our children some good nourishing mind food. Was this written by cannibals or the biggest blowhard you hate to see at PTA meetings? <laughs> now, <clears throat> there, are, there are a few F-bombs dropped in the movie, but I did not feel like they detracted from the film at all. There was no nudity or sex scenes. Like they're going to start having an orgy in the middle of the Canadian embassy while their fucking lives are at stake, right? There, <laughs> there is violence and a dead body hanging from a construction lift. If you are overly sensitive to that sort of thing, you may want to reconsider watching. No, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, and I believe that it earned a full five stars. And no, I did not pull this review from the Christian Science Monitor. <laughs> it feels like there's some magazine out there for the really religious that and then they have movie reviews, so you know what you can watch. Oh, so yeah. your Christian eyes don't burn out. You think? You think? Anytime they see the film yeah. that says starring Kirk Cameron, five stars. Don't <laughs> even need to bother. <laughs> Amazon one star reviews. Amazon one star reviews. It's time for Amazon one star reviews. Hate giving reviews unless I choose to. 
<laughs> yep, that's it. Next one, bad, frowny face. <laughs> Next one, he spent 15 seconds on the Shaw and our role there. And Canada took the lead in the story in real life. A Hollywood ending is now a Hollywood everything but the first 15 minutes of the film. Honestly, it wasn't artfully done. As if our politics in the 80s wasn't ugly enough. Globally, man makes period film for self to star in. Depicts an impossibly shallow political perspective as an even shallower wins an award and sleeps with nanny. Signed, Jennifer Garner. <laughs> Argo never quite figures out what to do besides make money and make Ben Affleck look gorgeous amid- amidst a sea of 70s dorkiness and bad hairdos. If you're looking to waste a Saturday night with a mashup of trite Hollywood fodder, Argo may satisfy you. If, on the other hand, you seek a political thriller, stay far away from this phony movie about a phony movie. <laughs> Wait, can I, I just thought of something that I, that I, the, him getting that star, the, um, what was oh, the, the, the intelligence star, or whatever the intelligence star. I read yeah. a lot of the, a lot of espionage type books and that's always the thing that happens. We're giving you an award, but nobody will ever know you got it. And then the, you know, the reluctant hero just stops off and goes, don't bother. And just stops off. And then I, when I forgot that that even happened in the movie. And I, and I, right. I assume he actually did get the star because they show it. But I feel like either every book was based off of that experience. But that happens in so many stories where they get this award, but nobody can ever know. What is the point of that? It's like, cool, I have a star that I can't show anybody. Motherfucker, just give me an extra $35,000 a year in my salary, and that I'm cool with. (laughs) And apparently they literally open the box, they show it to you, then they close it, and they put it back in a vault somewhere. Damn. Yeah, great. (laughs) Do I get a raise? (laughs) Yeah, that's all I want, exactly. Can I get a new car that you guys lease? And at least do what they do in Armageddon. I don't want to pay taxes ever ever again. Never. <laughs> Last one star review from Amazon, and it's all in caps, so you can imagine the uh, emotion and intensity. Cannot understand why this movie won Best Picture of the Year. Must be all politics. I was totally bored with it. Wish that Amazon would give me my money back that I spent. <laughs> That was Jeff Bezos wrote that. Actually, a lot. I have one more Amazon review. The Pianist, however, was a good U.S. movie. Argo? Did we we really wear our hair out like that? I I never want to run into anyone who says they love The Pianist, right? This is that, by the way, Kevin, that film, a on the Mount Rushmore of films that people say they like just to seem smart. Wasn't that the movie where the, that was the Italian director, right? Who went? No, crazy. That, that was that was Adrian uh, Brody playing the piano. Oh, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. right. Holocaust. Holocaust movie. Critics. <laughs> I did this out of order. Critics. Five star reviews. Five star reviews. Five star reviews by critics. Affleck continues to impress audiences with his keen eye for direction, knowing just when to fall back and allow this top-notch cast the freedom to interpret events in a way that will compel most viewers. Ben Affleck has delivered a knuckle muncher. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> is, that a, is that a sex move? 
Yeah, that's just going to say, is this lesbian porn he's watching? Oh, that's Rug Muncher. Sorry, Kevin. (laughs) Ben Affleck has delivered a knuckle muncher of a thriller and a satire on Hollywood, both in one unlikely package. The subject matter hasn't lost any of its edge, especially with the continued bedlam in the Middle East. Uh, Sometimes it is the most absurd ideas that make for the most compelling stories in cinema. Rotten Tomatoes has 343 fresh reviews for this film, 15 rotten reviews. Mm -hmm. So let's go right to the critics' one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. Critics, one-star reviews. <laughs> the film plays out in the broadest of strokes with Affleck employing a lowest common, denom- lowest common denominator tone that would make the most hackneyed of Hollywood filmmakers proud. Only two scenes do more than hint at the poetic potential of the premise. Second billing to unabashed jingoism. Signed, Donald Trump. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, it is the definition of far-fetched popcorn patriotic heroics. Undeniably rousing, but deeply irresponsible. Argo fans of flames surrounding historical events likely to remain raw in the memory of many viewers. And Argo is just so-so. <laughs> well done. Well done. Kevin Israel, did Mike Price gut the sacred cow? I think he did. I think he did. I think this is two for two. He is. Wow. I think he is too. I first, I, my, at first, Mike, I swear to God, I text Kevin, I go, how the fuck is he going to do this? No one's going to get angry. No one's going to get emotional. <laughs> no one's going to go on social media going, what? Argo? <laughs> fuck him. No. But here we are. And uh, we're sitting yeah. here and then, and, and after rewatching, after doing a little bit of fact checking with the history part and remembering that that was all glamorized, especially the last 20 minutes, I agree. I will co sign on that gutting. So, Mike Price, take a bow. You are indeed. 100%. Right. Hey, Mike, before we get out of here, tell the folks where can we find you? What's going on? Bring us into your world. Well, if you're looking for me on Twitter, which is all I really do, uh, my handle on Twitter is at Mike Price in L.A. And I also have a Effers for Family Twitter account, which is F-I-F-F Netflix, which just basically uh, talks about the writing process of the show. Cool. That's about it. Uh, I don't do anything else. (laughs) (laughs) KevinGoatee.com on Twitter, Gutting the Sacred Cow, GTSC podcast. If you have not yet done so, for the love of Christ, give us that five-star rating, two or three sentence review. It does help. We hit number 15 on the iTunes Top 100 in film and reviews. Love to see that keep climbing. And because of you, we have climbed. Thank you all so very much. And if you do want to advertise with us, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Mike Price, it is an absolute honor and privilege to have you back again. And, of course, the invite is out there for you to come on and back to take down JFK. And I will see you you in hell. (laughs) Mike, thanks so much again. I can't wait to do this. When I'm done talking about that movie, your head will go back into the left. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm done, you're going to to put a a wig on your head like David Ferry did, Joe Pesci's character. (laughs) Will you need as much time as the movie was long? Three hours and ten minutes of joy. (laughs) I love it. And listen, tell 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 the boss, Bill Burr, he's more than welcome to come to our our podcast and do a film as well. I will. I will. Awesome. Thanks again, Mike. We love you. Awesome job. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, we will see you later. Take care.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.